The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com earnings right now. NetSuite.com earnings. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Let's get to our guest, John Vale, Chief Global Strategist at Nico Asset Management. John, we had Priya Misra on the show earlier from TD Securities, and, and, and she basically was saying that, you know, this, the question is whether the narrative of front-loading comes to an end. And it's a point that I made a lot last week that you, you can't say you're front-loading and then, you know, that's the, the whole tamale. I mean, at some point, you have to move into, like, your mid-stage and your closing stage, and they've done a lot, and they're bound to say at some point here that they want to take a look and assess. Are markets right to celebrate that, or should they still be very wary? Well, yeah, Priya is a very smart lady, uh, <laughs> but I tend to agree with you that uh, everybody knew that they would be hiking at a less fast uh, rate going forward. Um, but the market is also thinking uh, that it's not going to cut as much as they previously thought. Um, that's the big news, that for 2023, the Fed Fund Futures contract is suggesting a lot less uh, hiking, not a lot less, but quite a bit uh, less hiking than they previously expected. What about in terms of inflation? It is remaining stubbornly high, but then again, it is a backward-looking number. So to what degree do you sense the Fed's done enough in this fight? Well, I don't think anybody really knows for sure, but it's uh, other than it's coming down, um, but everybody knows that. It's a question of how far. Um, there's a lot of structural things that will help it fall in 2023, including the CPI uh, medical services component, which is going to be uh, growing at a lot uh, lower pace based on the way the BLS uh, does its sort of annual uh, benchmarking of the number. So that's going to be a restraint on core CPI and headline CPI. Um, but on the other hand, uh, rent's obviously going to keep going up as the CPI catches up as new uh, leases are signed. So at some point when we see, um, you know, some signal that they'll slow down at the at the Fed and other central banks, uh, you probably would see the dollar come down and and local currencies go up. So if I don't want to play equities, can I at least play local currency bonds and hope that um, yeah, I get sort of a double whammy there where you get the, the good yield. The, it's actually a triple whammy. You get the, the good yield, you get the bond going up and then you get the currency in your in your back pocket as well. Mm, I like that idea. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> well, well, here's the danger, though. Okay, and I, I know that you're a Japan expert, so it kind of feeds into the problem is if, if the dollar goes down and the yen goes up, that may not be good for Japanese equities. It's one place where they seem to love a weak currency. 
Well, yes, I mean, that would be a headwind for corporate profits here, but it would also increase the foreign interest in this country if they could could invest in Japan without uh, losing money on the currency side. And the valuations here are so low, it's got to be attractive to foreigners at some point, but a lot of them have been shying away because of the currency factor. And John, uh, we were discussing a moment ago the yen, uh, its effect on Japanese equities. But in terms of the level of the yen, 148.21 right now, the rhetoric around strengthening that seems to have died down a little. Do you you sense that uh, policymakers are now comfortable with where we are? Are we at the bottom? Um, Well, the policy of the Ministry of Finance, uh, who controls the intervention uh, situation, not the BOJ, which actually is just their broker, um, is not to stop the yen from depreciating. It's just to reduce the volatility and um, making sure that nobody thinks it's a one-way bet. Um, And they've succeeded uh, in that regard and that volatility has decreased. Uh, But I don't think they're targeting any one particular uh, yen rate. And um, they just get very upset and rightly so, when it, uh, when it spikes. I, I promised that we would talk a little bit about China. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the Party Congress. Um, some in the marketplace are saying, you know, this kind of marks a big change, the uh, end of, of the pro-growth period, and that the humiliating send-off that Hu Jintao was given was a strong signal that a new era has begun. Does that sound scary for investors, or do you think it's all just a little bit of an overreaction? I don't know about scary, but it's uh, worrisome, uh, clearly. Um, And they've certainly promised after that that they're going to be not so uh, tough as the market is sort of uh, talking about right now. They're still, you know, pro-economic growth and uh, everything else that uh, should should help. Um, But, yeah, it is worrisome um, that they don't have any real technocrats um, sort of at the top and that... uh, Maybe it's even supposed to be worrisome that it's supposed to tell everybody that you know they're really serious about uh, their national security situation. It's a very unhappy uh, relationship with the rest of the world at this uh, at this point um, for both sides. So it's certainly been worrisome for quite some time, um, and maybe it's even a little bit more worrisome uh, now. From an investing perspective, though, it is very hard to turn your back on the world's second largest economy, never mind the political climate. So how do you invest around this? Well, you're right that it's a very big portion of the emerging markets MSCI index, and uh, some people are starting to strip it out, um, as far Mm. as I've heard from the States, uh, primarily for ESG. G reasons, I I believe, but it's also maybe just for diversification reasons. So, but you're right. I mean, it's a big part of the index. If you're a passive investor, you're going to be ha- having a lot of money in in uh, in China, mm-hmm. and you know it's uh, very difficult, obviously, to invest in China. The information is uh, qu- quite limited. At certain times, we have a joint venture there with analysts on the ground. We've got lots of people, you know, uh, studying uh, the the stock market from outside of China as well. So you basically just have to do your bottoms-up analysis and uh, 
and try to outperform the, the index. John, you bring up a good point that perhaps China's leadership in the EM complex is, is lessening now because investors feel less comfortable investing there. So where does the leadership move to? Well, it could be quite good for the rest of Asia, and including Japan, um, if money moves out of China. Um, it, it's going to be looking for other homes. And uh, Japan is obviously not part of the emerging market index, but uh, the, you have r heard uh, stories about people uh, diversifying out of China and, and into uh, Japan, and uh, certainly that would be a, a fill-up for this, this market. And, and India. And India, too, I, yes. Asian markets probably in general, I would suppose. Uh, you know, if it's big money, it's kind of hard to stick a lot of money in some of these um, ASEAN countries, but it's uh, it, it could help quite a bit. All right, John Vale, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. John Vale is Chief Global Strategist at Nico Asset Management. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.